Well, a healthy relationship is one where there's not only love, but respect and trust and support and empowerment. Somebody that wants for their partner what's for their highest and best self. And by there, I mean the partner, not necessarily themselves. That you want your partner to feel safe, to feel happy, to feel trusted. On this episode of The Creator Community, we'll meet Dr. Laura Streffler, a mental health care counselor who leveraged her own struggles to learn, make positive change for herself, and now help so many others. We'll hear Laura's journey of leaving an abusive relationship with $175 in her pocket and moving hundreds of miles away to start over. We'll hear what the difference is between a healthy and normal relationship and the immense value in setting boundaries across all key aspects of a relationship, not just sex. We'll also learn how pornography and technology can impact our personal relationships and how to determine if or where they should fit in. And how Dr. Laura's life's work led her to publishing her second book, How to Have a Healthy Relationship in an Unhealthy World. Check out the show. Welcome to the Creator Community. This is a podcast for book publisher, New Degree Press, or NDP. I'm your host, John Saunders. This show is designed to celebrate, elevate, and showcase many of the incredible authors that have published their books with NDP. This year, NDP will cross over 1,500 published authors from six continents and has earned the 293rd spot on the Inc. 5000 list. This is the fastest growing privately held companies in America. If you ever thought of writing a book, but weren't sure where to start or finish, Visit creator.institute to learn more. This is episode five of season four, and today I have with me Dr. Laura Streffler. Dr. Laura is a licensed mental health counselor who maintains a full-time private counseling practice in Fort Myers, Florida. Dr. Laura is not only a relationship expert, she is a professional trainer, also board-certified expert in traumatic stress, and a diplomat of the American Academy of Experts in Traumatic Stress, in collaboration with the National Center for Crisis Management. In addition, Dr. Laura is a credentialed expert in domestic violence and forensic counseling by the National Association of Forensic Counselors and a State of Florida Certified Clinical Supervisor. She previously authored Wife Beater Shirt Optional, quite a title, There Is No Dress Code for Domestic Violence, a book that dispels the myths and misconceptions of domestic violence. Dr. Laura, great to see you. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, John. Really a pleasure and a fascinating story I've learned from looking over your book and, and your notes. Unbelievable. But before we get into that, I'd love to hear a bit more about your career journey and what led you to getting into this kind of work. Well, when when I was 14, my father took his own life and my mother struggled with mental health issues. So I always kind of felt like pain sucked. And then because most of us confuse what's normal with what's healthy and my normal from my family of origin was not very healthy. I got involved in an abusive relationship when I was right out of college and stayed for a while and then left with a $175 check that I had in my wallet and two suitcases 
and moved from Massachusetts to Florida and started my life over. And I really had no idea what I was going to do. I was in advertising back then. I started volunteering at a domestic violence shelter, was subbing at a high school. And as as time went on, I started working with victims of domestic violence because, again, our stories usually fuel our passion. You know, I had a very strong passion for empowering and helping to heal people. I've been doing it since the since the 80s. Seems like a hundred lifetimes ago. And and then I went back to school, got my master's. I wrote a program for teenagers arrested for domestic violence in their families. I've done work in the in the jails, in the in the projects, in the with the homeless coalition. I've worked in the fancy gated communities. I do expert witness testimony for domestic and sexual violence. I've been involved working with victims of human trafficking and the Human Trafficking Coalition. So I've been very blessed where I've been able to work with a number of different areas in in mental health. And after I wrote the book on domestic violence, what I kept hearing people say is, Laura, you know, I know about abusive relationships. I've been in them all my life. I know about unhealthy relationships. I know about assholes. Everyone I date is like that. What I don't know is how to have a healthy relationship. And I was hearing that over and over again. And then during COVID, you know, I saw strong relationships get stronger and then relationships that had a little bit of a crack just totally, you know, fall apart. And, you know, the world is becoming more polarized and more isolated and more technological. And people are really struggling with how to navigate a healthy relationship or really even knowing what it looks like. You know, a friend of mine said during COVID that we either fight or we get divorced, or excuse me, we either come together more closely or we get divorced. Is, that's she, exactly what that's exactly what happens. She said it a bit more crass than that, but that was that was the message. All I would say it too. But. You know, so there's this intersection of your personal and professional story that really I I'm hearing a story of that really came from a passion you found for helping and serving others, and then this message of how to that so many, you saw so many more needed this help of the second book and this healthy relationship. So you went on to write, write this new book, which is amazing. So before we get to that as well, how, how did you find the author coaching program with the, well, the Creator Institute? I have a friend who had gone through the program and wrote a nonfiction book and knew she was at my first book launch and knew that you know, I had written a book. I really, at the time, quite honestly, John, I had no intention of writing a second book. And she told me about the program and Professor Coster and said, Laura, you have to do this. Well, you know how the universe works. Literally a week later, I'm talking to him on the phone. And two weeks later, the program started and I'm in this program and I'm going to write a book that I had no intention of writing. I hadn't even thought about. So I had to think about, well, what do I want to write about? And the universe just put me there and here I am. Like the book just wrote itself because everything that I've been working with clients, not only from healing from toxic and abusive, and now the new term is narcissistic relationships, but moving forward, you know, all that stuff I put in a book, which really is important to me. It's why I do so much speaking because I've been doing this for a really long time and I'm not going to live forever. And I want this information out there because I tend to think of things much less traditionally than other people. And, you know, I think it's important that all the perspectives get represented. Sounds like a pretty powerful and broad perspective to have for such arguably, I think, well, I don't want to rewrite your book, but pretty complex circumstances, right? Relationships are 
never quite well, black and white, right? Well, that's the problem. They're not black and white. And, you know, when I it started years ago when I was working with teenagers and I would do the forensic valuations after they got arrested for domestic violence and and mm. other things. And, you know, they would actually verbalize. They all, everyone wanted to know, are they normal? Am I normal? And my response was always the same. Well, if you grow up with in a home where there's violence or people aren't nice to each other and say hurtful things to each other and you do that same thing, then that's normal, but it's not healthy. And a lot of times people's normal isn't healthy, but that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with them. It doesn't mean that they're mentally ill or they're crazy. It just means they grew up in a very unhealthy environment. And, you know, that normal for most people is different than healthy. And the other thing is a lot of people believe that traditional relationships are healthy relationships. And the truth is there are a lot of very non-traditional relationships. And in the beginning of the book, I list a number of them, which some might argue aren't very healthy, but as long as they're two free will consenting adults and there's no coercion or manipulation and it's what both people want, they can be healthy. They just may not be traditional. Normal versus healthy. That is a really interesting contrast you draw there because, right, we grow up in whatever circumstance where we grew up in and that's normal to us. And I, I, if I'm hearing you right, I think a lot of us just think that's normal, that's healthy, that's what life is. And clearly your research and work and life's work have proven far from otherwise. So you found this program through a referral, which is really interesting, happens oftentimes. Maybe it was Kristen Collins, is that the? It was not. Oh. It was Linda Sather. Oh, interesting. Thank you for sharing that. One quick nugget for people, as a, as a obviously very busy person and very active in your work, how did you fit this into your life, the book? Well, it was it was once, you know, the class was once a week. So I found that that time and created it for myself and the program. And it was really important. You know, time isn't something we have. It's something we make. And it was really important to me. So I made time for it. When I wrote the first book, I did assisted publishing, which was really more self-publishing the way I did it. And it took me about 10 years. You know, I moved sentences around for 10 years trying to get it right. I had no structure and it just took forever. So having the not only the the instruction and the time set out and the deadlines and the sense of community and the the editorial help was invaluable to me. I tend to be a very out of the box thinker. And, you know, some days I can't even find the box. So having somebody to kind of help me structure my, my thoughts was invaluable. And the editors, I mean, if I picked on myself, I couldn't have done a better job. <laughs> Yeah, I think, well, congratulations on getting your first and now second book published, right? Sometimes I've met many people over my time of having writing and now coaching that say, oh, I've been writing, I'm writing a book. Oh, how long have you been working on it? Five years. No. That's a writer, not an author, right? An author is a published <laughs> person. There's a difference. So I love the the context and the journey you went on and this thought you shared, which is we don't uh, we don't find time, we make time and right for something that's important to us and clearly this is for you, this book. How to Have a Healthy Relationship in an Unhealthy World, due out this September 2022, wherever you buy books online. So, Laura, pretty compelling title. What's it about? 
Well, it's about, there are a lot of composites and examples. It's people who have struggled where their normal hasn't been healthy. And they've been in really hurtful, painful relationships. Maybe they're shut down. Maybe they don't believe that there's such thing as a healthy relationship or not for them or they're not worth a healthy relationship. One of the things I talk about is we don't get what we deserve. We get what we think we deserve. And all the messages from all the people in our lives up until the point that we're at now, whenever now is. And I share composites of 30 years worth of relationship clients. It's nobody's story and everybody's story at the same time. You know, sharing how you can go from having your normal be unhealthy and painful to working through that and the way you can get a healthy me so you can have a healthy we because everybody's always focused on their partner and what's wrong with their partner. You know, you see that with narcissist abuse, everybody's posting about, you know, this horrible partner. But the truth is the healthier we are, the healthier we attract. Our vibe attracts our tribe, maybe a little bit different, but we attract people the same level as healthy as we are. And it really talks about the difference between that fairy tale romance and living happily ever after and thinking that's healthy, where it's not. Healthy is a nice, stable, balanced relationship. And looking at the difference between a soulmate and a life partner, and really the reality versus the fairy tale. And there are a number of exercises that people can do either with or without their partner in either preparation for a healthy relationship or, you know, with their partner to strengthen their relationship. But the one thing the book is not, it's not therapy. That's a different animal. And that's right. Spending time with you and digging in more deeply, but it sounds like a great roadmap and place for people that feel a bit stuck to, to start to rebuild and, and hopefully find a better place in a healthier relationship. So I feel like we have a handle on normal, which is what we know, right? And right? if that's all we know, that's normal to us. But what what does healthy look like? Because it sounds like from your work, a lot of people don't even know what that is. And maybe I'm one of them. What is a healthy relationship? What, are, you know, what do healthy boundaries look like in a relationship? Well, a healthy relationship is one where there's not only love, but respect and trust and support and empowerment. Somebody that wants for their partner what's for their highest and best self. And by there, I mean the partner, not necessarily themselves. That you want your partner to feel safe, to feel happy, to feel trusted. And that that, you use the word boundary, that's beyond critical. That the boundary is respected. I always say the boundary, you know, they teach it in kindergarten. You know, this is, you know, I think of it as a hula hoop, your, your personal space. And your personal space isn't only physical, but it's emotional and psychological, sexual, that nobody violates that space. And I think, you know, in this day and age, most people understand that no means no when it comes to sex, but no means no in every area of a relationship. If the answer isn't yes, the answer is no. And really letting each partner have a voice. And where it's not just about being right, it's about being connected. You know, people want to be right more than they want to be connected because right now people are feeling so depressed, so anxious, so 
overwhelmed and they're struggling, feeling helpless. So in order to feel like they have some control, they need to be right. And they're so busy trying to be right. They're not really trying to be connected and hearing what their partner wants and needs. Wow. So want to be right that we are worried about that being connected. That's that's incredible. Is there an example of a healthy boundary or relationship you talk about in the book you could share? One of the ones that I use is some somebody who's, you know, trying to go on a diet, you know, and the partner wants to go get ice cream. And she's like, no, I really don't want to do. Oh, come on. You know, let's just go. It'll only be a little bit. But, you know, maybe I'm diabetic. You know, you don't know. And no means no. And just because you really want an ice cream, you know, it doesn't have to be a beer. People think, oh, they're in recovery if they want a beer. You know, would you push somebody in recovery? Some people would because it's what they want. But if it's not what your partner wants or it's not for their highest and best good, then no means no, whether it's a beer, whether it's ice cream or whether it's, you know, going to some location that the person isn't comfortable. Sounds to me like your work has proven to you that we think about boundaries really in the just really from a sexual perspective, and yet we need them across every aspect of our life. I really appreciate that construct. So, and sounds like a lot of passion and energy have come into this book and your work, and that's amazing. Uh, your mission here. So, you've been helping people deal with these challenges for so many years, trauma and heartbreak for decades. You know, what is that like? How do you deal with that? How do you stand to see that much pain day in and day out? First of all, you know, you heard the beginning of my journey, but what you haven't heard is that in between my unhealthy relationship and the relationship that I'm in now, which is, you know, almost a 26-year relationship, 24-year marriage to a man who other people refer to as human Xanax. He is the kindest, most amazing human on the planet. I adore my husband. And let me tell you, I'm a pretty tough crowd, John. You know, I have an amazing support system. I have, you know, the most amazing husband. I have friends. I have professional peers. I have a 22-year-old son. So I've been blessed with an amazing support system. And in addition to that, you know, I've learned the beauty of the, the resilience of the human spirit. You know, I've seen victims of human trafficking, victims that have been left for dead. I mean, just things that are unimaginable, physically sexual assaults gone to the to the hospitals and the rape trauma centers and just really seen some of the most egregious things maybe you can or cannot imagine. And some of them have been emotional and psychological and not physical or sexual. But to have somebody trust you with their pain is the biggest honor on the planet. Somebody being vulnerable when all the people in their lives or many of the people in their lives or the important people in their lives have violated their trust, their boundaries, their body. And the fact that they trust me, life doesn't get more beautiful than that. There is no greater honor. And so to be given that honor and then to see the healing and to see somebody go from not only heartbreak, but unimaginable pain to healing, there's nothing more beautiful. And I've been very blessed in my career because I've seen it a lot. I've seen people get better and heal and move forward and, you know, maybe not live happily ever after, 
but living much healthier, more stable lives than they either started with or where they were when I met them. And there's nothing more beautiful. What, well, first of all, so lovely to see after having some early struggles for yourself in personal relationships that you've now found this really lovely, warm, and very supportive environment is what I'm hearing. And you've built this uh, community, if you will, and family relationships around you to have that support to help you deal with this so you can go out and help so many others. And quite a gift, it sounds like you have to build trust with people because you're meeting them at probably the lowest of lows in their lives, right? When, when, you, when they sit down and see you, probably things aren't great for the first time, right? So when you think about some of those very painful circumstances you've helped people uh, live through, what, what's been uh, one of your favorite success stories? Well, I remember meeting a woman. I had actually met her early at the shelter. She had, she had come in. And then I was doing classes on domestic violence and sexual violence for both the men and the women in different times in the jail. And that's originally, I, I had met her there. And I, we were talking about trust and respect and, you know, all the words that so many of us think we know and we take for granted. And so I was saying, I was asking, what's trust? So my girl raises her hand. Laura, Laura, I know what trust is. And so I called her by name and I said, and she said, trust means being able to close your eyes. And, you know, John, when I speak, I, I share that story and I can't do it without getting chills, even all these years later. And then after she got out, I continued to work with her and she went on to live a functional, I don't know that it was healthy, but she felt much safer and really grew. I had another woman who had never been, and she's given me permission to use her story. She had three ch children. She, her husband had an alcohol problem. They lived in a very fancy community. He had never hit her, but then she said she wanted a divorce. And he told her that if she left him, he would set the house on fire with her and the kids in it. And that's, and I've actually worked with three wow. or four people that have had their house set on fire by their partner when they said they would leave. So they, they, he set the house on fire and she and the kids got out. Nobody was physically hurt. They, they were in the house when he set it on fire. They were in the house when he set it on fire. Oh my God. And he, he was arrested for, for arson. And I'm getting chills as I'm even telling you the story. It's unbelievable. I have so much respect for her. So the first six months I worked with her, I worked with her once a week. She was pretty much an automaton, you know, because she had three kids she had to take care of, just going through the motion. And if she felt the feelings, she would have fallen apart. So we just kind of processed it from the situation out. And the other little piece, you know, I know we don't have so much time, but this just, I have to tell you, they had the house for sale and then it burnt down and she had quite a community. The house next door, they offered, the people were living someplace else, they offered to let her and the kids live in it. So for a year, while they rebuilt their house, they lived in the house next door to the one that was burnt down. Can you imagine? I mean, I can't even imagine Wow, what it would be like to have to look at that house every day. But they had such a community in the community. They chose to stay in the community and then I worked with her about a year and a half. And 
he he turned down a, a 17 year plea and then finally got much more than that. But right before the trial, she came in. I'll never forget it. She had on a T-shirt with the Incredibles logo on it. And she said to me, Laura, I'm wearing this shirt because I feel incredible. She says, I've done everything I need to do here. She was getting ready to move to another state and she had processed. She wasn't running away. She was just, you know, starting over. She says, the only thing that's left here for me is the trial, but it's not my trial. It's his trial. I'm just a witness. Wow. That's how far she came. You know, how much more beautiful than that does it get? He burnt down the house with her and the kids in it. And she got to the point that it's not even my trial. It's his trial. You know what? She is incredible. That is, those are two incredible stories. I mean, to say trust is being able to close your eyes in the house with this person you're in a relationship with, that is mind blowing. And to see that she was able to, through your help, get ahead. And certainly this woman, I mean, that story almost sounds made up to me. It's so unbelievable to think that that could happen, certainly on the front end. You would be surprised how often that happens. I worked with a, a woman whose husband said if she didn't have the divorce paper, he used white gas. I said to her, I said, I didn't know gas came in colors. Apparently, white gas is more flammable. I mean, it's amazing the things you can learn. Wow. And such learning you've done. And your book covers other topics as well, Laura, right? There's this topic we I feel like we're hearing more and more about these days is narcissistic abuse in relationships. You know, what is that about? What 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 can you share with listeners about that? Well, a true narcissist, you know, years ago they used to say one percent of the population has it's they used to call it NPD. Um, narcissistic personality disorder. It's really a grandiose sense of self. You know, it's all about them and really just pretty much use other people for just to get their own, not even needs met, their own wants met. You know, and this is kind of a button for me because narcissistic abuse, you know, really is domestic violence. When I taught in the criminal justice program at Florida Gulf Coast University, I, I realized, you know, working with the legal system and the clinical system, you know, domestic violence is different, but emotional and psychological abuse is still domestic violence. And really, that's what narcissistic abuse is, isn't in its entirety. But now you have a bunch of lay people who are just calling their relationship narcissistic abuse, which I'm sure some of them probably are. But just because somebody's an asshole, doesn't mean they're a narcissist. And just because somebody does something not nice doesn't mean that you're in a narcissistic abuse relationship. So narcissist abuse is really when a relationship is just all about one person and not the other, but it's throughout the relationship. It's not when the relationship runs its course and you don't like the person anymore because they've become an asshole now that you're in narcissistic abuse. Wow. I can't help but think of three clients that I fired over the years as a salesperson on Wall Street that I feel like you just described to a T. I mean, I feel like every meeting they had was, how can I get everything I can out of you? And if I help you out, well, geez, that'll just be dumb luck or some random circumstance. And boy, that was uh, painful to deal with. Well, it's it's all about them, you know, and the other things, you know, I have to tell people is if it seems too good to be true, it usually is. You know, narcissists come in like smooth as polyester. 
you know, it's not silk, it's just, you know, fake and it, it's too good to be true until it's hooked <clears throat> in and then the dream becomes the nightmare. And again, it's about balance. So if the relationship isn't balanced in the beginning, it's not going to be balanced as time goes on. So that too good to be true, now the, the new term is love bombing. You know, love bombing started, you know, with the Moonies and, and cult, you know, recruitment. You know, bombing of any kind isn't isn't healthy. So people that, you know, if you don't want the yuckies later, then, you know, you got to be careful of of too much of the good stuff in the beginning. I mean, not to dwell on these three people again, but these are three people that were held. If you met them on the street, you think what a extraordinary, upstanding person and well-groomed, you know, very articulate, very nice, warm, professional. But boy, once the door got closed and it was just you and them in a room, it was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde kind of a thing. And that that is painful to live through. And I was very fortunate to have the power to break those relationships. And when I did, I had several, these were clients that were giving me literally millions of dollars a year. And I had peers of mine say, what, how, what are you doing? Why would you get rid of those relationships? And I mean, to me, this was my rule of thumb. If I was thinking about you at 11 o'clock at night and thinking about you, with extreme anger, that was the end of the line for me. I'm supposed to be that's reading a book a and relaxing now, right? That's not a that's not a it's not a healthy relationship, and it's 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 more of a of a violation than a relationship. No doubt, no doubt. Well, another big theme that you talk about in your book, Laura, is around cheating. What can you tell us about cheating and whether or not you know is is that something we can move past? Is that a a, a solvable thing? What should our listeners know about cheating? Well, I don't think there's a yes or no answer. I think it depends on it depends on the relationship and it depends on the people in the relationship. I've worked with a number of couples that have worked through cheating and got to the other side of it and the relationship was stronger. After an affair people always say, "I just want to get back what we had." Well, you can't get back what you had because you can't take that piece of history of the relationship out of the relationship. But what happens, again, we're back to that crack. It's either going to fall apart or it's going to get stronger. The work that you're going to do is going to make the relationship stronger. If people stay in a relationship, it has to be because they're willing to forgive, look at what was going on, you know, work together and get to the other side. If I always say, if one person just wants to stay and continue to punish the other partner for cheating, then it's not going to work. That That's not, that's just continuing to stay together. That's not having a relationship. Well, it's a relationship, but it's certainly not a healthy one. So taking a step back, assessing the situation, deciding you want to stay together and move forward in a positive light versus dwelling on the past and constantly you know, a lot of times affairs are just eye openers to to things that need to be worked on in the relationship somebody's not feeling heard somebody's not feeling validated somebody's you know not feeling seen relation affairs aren't always about sex you know right. the two the two elements of an affair are intimacy and secrecy if you have either one of those, I'm sorry, if you have both of those, it doesn't even have to include sex. It's intimacy and secrecy. Wow. Pretty powerful topics you're getting into your book here. Another one you touch on, maybe a bit of a hot button issue, but uh, pornography. 
right? How does how do you view pornography? Is is that cheating? What is the story there? Well, I don't think people really care how I view it. It's more about how they view it. Pornography itself is not cheating. You know, a lot of couples use pornography together or again, it's the rules in the relationship. You know, if there are rules in the relationship where one couple says, you know, if you watch porn, that's a deal breaker. I, I'm not okay with that. You know, then you're violating the rules of the relationship. And that's the problem, not necessarily the porn. You know, one of the things I'm seeing with couples is one partner spends so much time, you know, with porn and having their sexual needs met with porn. They have no desire really left for their partner and they really kind of take care of themselves and their partner's just kind of, you know, left alone. Then it can become a problem. But porn itself isn't cheating. It's the way, you know, it's used in the relationship and you know, whether or not it violates, you know, the rules in the relationship. It's really important, John, before you ask me about boundaries, every relationship has rules, you know, or every healthy relationship has rules. And, you know, the rules are types of boundaries. And the thing is, it's really important to talk about those rules and know what they are. Because what I see so often in couples counseling is one partner punishing the other for violating a rule that they didn't even know existed. You know, people think when they've been together a long time, you know, or they love the other person that they become psychic. And well, you should just know, you know me, you know how I am. Well, you know, this is where, you know, like they teach you in in first grade, you have to use your words and you have to communicate and say it out loud. You can't just assume that the other person knows what matters to you or what's not okay, because, you know, some of the toughest communication problems aren't what's said, it's what's not said. What a powerful message. And I think at the root here, all these things you're talking about around communication, connection, being open and honest about your feelings and finding a way to be together versus hoping that you stay together because you think the other person understands you. Another challenge I think we all face today is technology, right? We're inundated with all these screens in our lives. You know, how do you feel about technology and relationships? Is it good or bad? Well, you know, good and bad are judgment words. I like to think of things as healthy or unhealthy, safe or unsafe, legal or illegal, because, you know, nobody has the right to to judge what works for somebody might not work for somebody else. You know, again, if you're more connected to your technology than you are to your partner, it becomes a problem. One of the terms that was discovered by a researcher, I believe his name was McDaniel, is technoference. And it talks about not necessarily the interference of technology in our lives by what the amount of time we spend on it, which it absolutely is, but the fact that, you know, you and I, John, are having a conversation and my phone's going to ring or it's going to ding and I have to check my, I have to check to see who's texting me. Oh, wait a minute, John, I got to. Do the, so the interference is both passive, you know, and active, you know, and unfortunately, I see more and more couples that are more connected to their their tablets, their phones than they are to each other. And, you know, one of in one of my chapters, I talk about menage a trois. But, you know, instead of the third person being a person, 
it's it's a technological device and it's it's ever present in the bed both physically and metaphorically wow you know just this past weekend i was out at this lovely setting having lunch with a friend and just behind him was a couple and i don't think either of them got off their phones the entire time and all i could think was why are you here together? <laughs> and it's not the first time I've seen that. It was pretty shocking though, because it was this beautiful, it was at a vineyard, this beautiful setup. And here they were not, not only ignoring this amazing environment they're in, but completely each other because they were on their phones. And I was just thinking, what is going on here? Thank you well, for sharing well, that. And one of the things I see with young couples, because technology and texting is their native language, they actually lay in bed next to each other and text. And the first time I heard it, I thought, wow, but it's, you know, more being able to communicate and people aren't looking at each other in the eyes, talking face to face, connecting. It's more because they process their thoughts better looking at the screen texting than looking in their partner's eyes. It's really important to look at somebody when you speak to them. That's part of the connection. And that's becoming more and more difficult to do. When I do couples counseling, people are always looking towards me or looking around. It's like, look at your partner. You're talking to your partner. And part of it is teaching people to look at each other when they talk to each other. Wow. Mind blowing. When you first started telling that story, I thought you were saying they were laying in bed and texting friends. You're saying they're texting each other. And it, And the first time I heard it, I was like, well, but I can't tell you how many times I've heard it since the first time. That is unbelievable. So Laura, you're someone who's lived through a tremendous amount of change in your life and continued to learn from it along the way and, and advance your career and helping others, which is amazing. How has the book changed you? And what have you learned about yourself along the way through the, this book journey? I think what the book has done for me is it's helped me bring together a lifelong journey, both of my personal journey, my professional journey, my own heartbreak and healing, the heartbreak and healing of others. And it, it kind of shows everything coming full circle. And that, you know, the importance of, of having a healthy me and being who you are and being okay with it and not saying to other people, what do I think of myself? You know, really, they call it self-esteem because it belongs to yourself and know it and own it and be okay with it and then find somebody that accepts you the same way. So many people are looking for somebody to love them because they don't love themselves. And you have to love yourself first. It sounds true. When I was a kid, I heard it. Everybody, you know, you roll your eyes and it's like, oh, man, you know. But you know what? It's the truth. That is a powerful message. And so... Amazing that going through the book, through the writing, through the researching, the learning, that you even learned how to coalesce all of these events, activities, themes in your life and pull them together even more closely and now helping so many with the story that'll be out here soon. Any unexpected positives you found from writing the book that you thought, boy, I didn't think this was going to happen from a book journey? Well, I'm still pretty early in the journey, but I think you know, my first book offered information by the time I got it out. It's not outdated information, but just some of the terms have changed. And it was just really very harsh and painful and kind of came out at the same time as COVID. So nobody wanted to read about, you know, more painful stuff. This book really offers hope and empowerment. And I think in the world that we're living in right now, this 
this polarized, isolated, disconnected world, I think it's offering hope and a way to to reconnect. That's awesome. What an incredible message for people that have been living through this very bizarre period these last you know two plus years with COVID being in these lockdowns, the masks, the whole thing. But is it fair to say that would be the key message for the book or, or would you add more to that? I think the, the piece that I add is during COVID, one of the things that I saw was people were stuck at home, not only with their kids going to school and work and all that, but you couldn't go shopping, you couldn't go out to eat, you couldn't leave. And people were stuck at home with their thoughts and their history and their baggage. You know, they couldn't not look at it because there weren't enough places to go or things to do to divert those thoughts. So a lot of stuff came up about their unhealthy normal. And I think this book offers a way to be able to look at that in an empowering, hopeful way and move through it. What a great message, because I think with the COVID, with COVID I don't think it caused a lot of these problems for people. It, it gave them a chance for them to be more greatly revealed. It might be as maybe what I'm hearing here. So a roadmap, a message of hope to move forward and address some of these things that maybe we've been hoping would get fixed magically, but as you've clearly shared, not going to happen by accident, right? It takes a plan, it takes a mission, and it takes an effort from both sides. Well, Laura, thinking about this book now coming out in just uh, September 2022, what's your biggest goal for this year with the book and what you're after? What I'm after is for people to pick up the book and say, you know, Laura, I read it and this spoke to me and this was me or I did this exercise and oh my God, I can't believe the difference. I want more and more people to be okay with who they are. And then I hope that this book, my journey in sharing the book and speaking and traveling and, and getting the message out there that it's okay to be who you are. And, you know, with younger people and a lot of the things changing with gender roles and types of relationships and, and different things, younger people are becoming more okay with who they are. But some of those of us that are older, you know, are still trying to be a square peg in a round hole or vice versa and trying to fit in who we think we should be and instead of just being who we are. And there's nothing more beautiful than being your authentic self. That's what makes you lovable. Being your authentic self, that's what makes you lovable. And of course, finding a person that's okay with that, right? And you said earlier, your vibe attracts your tribe. And I, I feel this message all coming together here, being yourself, finding someone who's okay with that, who has a similar feel and vibe to you and wants to communicate and have a healthy relationship. What incredible wisdom and knowledge you've brought to the show here today. Laura, when it comes out in a few weeks in September, if people want to learn more about you and the book, where, where might they go? My website is www.drlauracounseling.com. DrLauraCounseling.com. How to Have a Healthy Relationship in an Unhealthy World, her second book due out this September 2022 and will be available wherever you buy books online. Laura, great to see you. Thank you so much for being on the show here today. John, thank you so much for having me and giving me a place to share my passion. The pleasure is mine. Don't forget to subscribe to the Creator Community channel on your favorite podcast platform. If you enjoyed the episode, please be sure to leave us a review. And if you're ready to write your book, visit creator.institute to learn more about the fall 2022 cohort. I'm your host of the Creator Community, John Saunders. 
keep creating.